It's Wednesday Wonders, science fiction and fantasy on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Welcome back to Chronosphere Fiction. This is your host, Daniel French. You've been waiting for it, and here it is. Gafgar, the Eternally Unfurnished. Chapter 5. Let's get right into it. The morning's overcast skies remained, the wetness of the city less pronounced, and the air had a subtle pleasant coolness to it. The estate was in the center of the city, or just about, It was hard to tell for Gafgarn, with all the twisting streets and alleys among the leaning buildings. Not that he or his cohort could see much of where they were or where they were going. The way Captain Tedev and his horde of guards crowded and ushered them every step of the way. Whether the blood on his face quickly drying, would yowl and yammer at times, but his rebellious raging was met with swift retribution. You pus-nosed, ankle-biting Philistine! He's getting away! A gauntleted fist to the gut. Let me go, you bow-legged swine-loving chur- oh! A sword hilt to the head. Pardon me, old boy. Were you aware that your mustache resembles the digested remains of a rat or resting on your upper lip? <coughs> a blow to the throat quieted his outbursts, causing him to walk with a body that hung limply between two guards. His protests were resigned to muttered sputterings for the remainder of the march. Promptly they came to a wall, bending around both ends of a street. Beyond it, one could see the high roof of the estate, black and maroon flag waving lightly in the wet breeze. The captain led the procession to a heavy double-sided reinforced gate around the bend, large enough Withers' cart could fit through. He knocked hard with his plated fist, to which the other side responded with the heavy lifting of a lock. The door swung open to reveal a small group of leather and mail-clad men and women bearing looks of dismay. About time, a woman in the front pronounced. Captain and prisoners in. The rest of you, back to the streets. Captain Tedev rustled his mustache with a frustrated sigh, then turned to his guards and pointed. You two, wait out here for me. The rest of you are dismissed to your regular duties. Don't let me catch you at the library unless you've been assigned there, hmm? There's still a whole city of people here. Well now, get moving. The guards dispersed in all directions. The sound of metal boots and clinking armor following their reluctant footsteps. Wither roused, dusting off his suit and betraying no injury. Fine! In to see the Baron! Don't dawdle now! I never dawdle, Ire! Captain Tedev responded gruffly, leading Gafgarn's group forward. The guards here were even less kempt than those in the city. They were swarthy, with close to unshaven faces or scraggly hair, some with hoods pulled so far over their heads. Most of their faces were hidden in shadow. Men and women of such differing appearance, from skin to scars to clothes to armor, their ragged demeanor, their only common trait. It was easy to conclude that they hailed from many different places in and outside of the kingdoms. Gafgarn was reminded of Smidgen's bandits and figured these were closer to a gang than an organized, uniformed, soldierly force. Not that they appeared any less dangerous. Eyes, lazy or drunk or otherwise, Watch the interlopers with wariness and greedy hunger, and each man and woman had a weapon close to hand. 
Why do I feel like I'm being sized up? Because you are. Ladies, gentlemen. Wither greeted and bowed his head as they walked. Sully waved and nodded to a few, like old friends. Doran shook some hands as he walked, even embraced one with a hearty, Oi, mate! Nice to see ya! Both stopped cold and continued on with lowered heads, and they saw the look Afgarn shot them. They walked across a large yard, inhabited by a dingy stable to their left, and several slumping buildings of wood to their right, possibly barracks or storerooms. Small patches of garden bestowed surprising splashes of color and fragrance amid the dreary surroundings. In the center was a modest two-story estate of the city's common stone, a pair of iron-reinforced doors stretching high beneath a pointed gable. Two guards were at the short steps leading up to it, one sitting, cleaning her nails with a rather large knife, and the other half asleep against the wall, arms crossed. Captain Tedev led the group through, pushing the doors open as he walked into a grand, dusty foyer. He continued up a single staircase to their left to the second floor and down a hall to an unassuming door. Old frame paintings hung askew on the walls alongside torn or faded tapestries, cobwebs ruffling as the group walked by them. Gafkarn could feel the dust of unclean, long-lived-in quarters filtering into his voluminous nostrils his face contorting into an annoyed grimace. He thought of his halls in the great fortress of Dyerok Deep, with the heads of woodland beasts on plaques decorating the walls. No hints of dust ever dared grace those hallowed grounds, and all, handmade to warrior, made sure of it. This baron, with his disheveled crew and abhorrent housing, impressed him little. Captain Tedev stopped at the door, two shady-looking guards on either side, and faced the group. Baron Mardu is known for many things. But first and foremost is his size. None of you will comment or joke on it. And please, whatever you do, if you've heard his nickname, do not repeat it here. Aleda smirked while Sully and Doran <laughs> snickered. Gafgarn looked at each face for a hint, but only got a sly shrug from Wither. Captain Tedev placed two raps on the door, and at the huddy command of Enter! And a muffled tenor from the other. He opened and gestured for the others to follow. They filled into a large room centered by a grand desk of dark wood. The surrounding walls lined with banners of the same design as the flag above the estate. An ornate rug of colorful reds, oranges, gold and black floral and arboral designs depicting blooming flowers, twisting vines and antler-like trees covered much of the floor. Two heavy chairs of red velvet with hanging tassels lay before the desk, accompanied by several more plain oak variations, presumably brought in from another room. A wide plate lay on the desk's surface, balanced its mountainous cargo of turkey legs, potatoes, gravy, grapes, and large chunks of mutton. Beyond that heaping mound, staring interestedly at them all, was one of the fattest men Gafgarn had ever beheld. Baron Mardu was middle-aged, wrinkles only beginning to assert themselves and fair-skinned with deep-set dark brown eyes, above a pointed nose that defied his round cheeks and sloping jowls. A jet-black beard descended henceforth, dearly in need of cleaning, flecks of food clinging into its oily brambles. A paw of sausage-like fingers, each adorned with a silver or gold ring of jewels, stroked and combed that foodie beard as Mardu leaned back and regarded his new guests with interest. That hand's equally bejeweled sibling hung over the side of the chair, loosely clutching a half-eaten apple. He barely fit into his gargantuan velvet seat, rolls of fat from his sides and back falling over the arms and back of the chair like frothing yeast over the rim of a bowl. 
He wore a massive black shirt with gold embroidered lions on both of the breasts and a great coat with shiny silver buttons and black trim. Various necklaces of silver, gold, and beads hung low past the plummeting collar of his shirt that exposed curling black bushes on his upper chest. Several hooded guards stood about the room. Pop your rumps, he said as he motioned to the chairs across from him. He took a meaty bite from his apple as everyone except for Gafgarn moved to sit. Find a perch, big man, Bardu ordered through a full chewing mouth, gesturing to an empty chair. Gafgarn looked at the seat like he was going to eat it, but wasn't looking forward to the taste. What? Your people don't have chairs? Flecks of apple showering the desk and his beard. Gafgarn shrugged, his arms still crossed. It's not big enough for me. I'll stand. Bardu looked down at himself, his seat creaking with the effort, then back up with a grin. They seem pretty sturdy to me, big fella. And you'll refer to me as sire while you're in my presence. You don't want to sit? I don't care. I don't want you bastards to waste any more of my time than needed. He paused to lean forward on a heaving arm, his face turning to regard the entire group. Now, I can place some of you. He nodded at each as he listed them. You're with the guild. Clear enough. Guilds always welcome loss. Aleda registered an undertone of sarcasm and disdain, but maintained her cold disposition. You're that inventor, weapon dealer, whatever. Anyone who's anyone knows your carriage and suit. Mayhaps we can do some business later. Wither nodded and grinned. Mardu continued, pointing at Sully and Doran. I don't know you two there, but it's obvious enough you answer to this big one, a feared of chairs over here. Odd bunch. You come into my town and raise chaos, destroy property. Murder or no, that's heavy affront as outsiders. Don't you think? All under guild business, sire. That's so, Loss. Then you all be with the guild, I presume? Just myself, but they aid in my hunt and are so protected under the rights of guildship, sire. She spoke levelly, her tone professional and full of authority. Mardu pounded his fist on the desk and sternly pronounced, Don't you lecture me of your infernal guild law. I know what it be, but you bring vagabonds and a wilder. It's enough you've these two criminals with you. He pointed at Sully and Doran, noting their wide-eyed expressions. Oi, I know you be highwaymen, but this beast man, peace or no, big man, you be on the wrong side of the border, and hosto, situated as it is, it be my charge to protect the kingdom's edge here. Great job of doing that. I've been in your country for weeks. Mardu shoved himself out of his seat to stand, his body rippling and jiggling with the effort. Watch your tone, barbarian. I don't know if your people respect their leaders, but here in the kingdoms, titles mean something. I won't broach another offense from you, and I'm not talking about sending you back to your forests. My people earn their respect, Gafgarn thought. Every muscle in his body calling out to teach that lesson to this bulbous sack of meat firsthand. If it were just him and the Baron, perhaps he would. But killing him would do no good for their pursuit of AJ. He met the Baron's glare and nodded, noticing then a particular sight in the corner of the room over the Baron's shoulder. What he noticed utterly demanded his attention. It wasn't the weapon rack with a sad collection of poorly kept swords hanging on leather-wrapped wooden pegs. It also wasn't the shelves above littered with valuable-looking trophies like a golden jeweled goblet, necklaces and rings, a jade dragon, and a shining curved dagger. 
It was at the top of the shelf. A pair of shining gauntlets. Gafgarn's eyes gravitated to those gauntlets with intense fervor for two reasons. One, they were the finest, crafted, cleanest, shiniest things in the room aside from his boots. And two, they were silver white with red flowing designs that Gafgarn knew to be an ancient language. Those, pointing with his chin. Where did you get them, sire? Mardu huffed and jiggled as he struggled to look over a shoulder at the shelves. Those, right, impressive, eh? No class, but at least you've a good eye. You know, I never clean them, but they always look like that. Strange. Anyway, none of your business where I got them. They're mine. That's all should matter to you. Ever put them on, old boy? Uh, sire? Wither asked, through teeth clenched on a pipe carved like an upwardly belching frog. Mardu paused, at first surprised by the presence of the pipe that had not been there a moment before, then regained his composure and raised a fist, grasping a meaty turkey leg. On these paws, Professor, I'd sooner fit a brazier. Enough with all the questions. I brought you here. Now shut up and pay attention. Since you bring this filth into my city... This clown, I'm going to respectfully decline your wish to hunt. Captain Tenev's men and my private guard will see to it that this murderer is found without destroying anything else. Murdering a first tentacle. Whoever did this is going to bring down the wrath of the church on himself. Never mind my own. A fool. So you don't know who you're after then, son? Don't get smart with me. A man of white skin... Red eyes, wearing a jester hat. Pretty hard to miss, lass. And I'm surprised you find, with all your guild craft and reputation, that you've yet to catch him. Let him slip away, I hear. And by the looks of that hurt on your face, I'd say it be true. I later thought to comment that Mardu looked like he could catch nothing, but thought better of it. You speak of his appearance, but not of who he is. This isn't a common criminal. The guild was made to catch criminals like this. You need me, sire. What I need is you and your group out of my city. Be on your way before I keep you here in chains. You're welcome to stop us. I'm sure the guild will just overlook your tampering in our business, because that's not a big deal at all. The guild can shag a maggot. A questioning brow soared above Aleda's good eye that regarded Mardu with a fiery mixture of disbelief and wrath. She leaned forward, her fingers threaded neatly together, and her elbows on her knees. I don't need to remind you, I'm sure, of the Accords, older than the kingdoms themselves. Guild work is as official as any monarchs or their lesser vassals, and can only be refused or punished by Landsmeet trial. My actions, as well as those of my companions, are sanctioned by law. So should you imprison us and call for a trial, your head is on the block. I do my job, sire, and that is it. Make your choice. At that moment, a plated city guard entered, saluting the baron with a fist across his chest. Mardu took a mighty bite of turkey, chewing with rage and exasperation. Captain Tedev gestured for the guard to come closer. Sir! His breath short and sweat beating on his brow from the supposed run to the estate. The jester is gone! <laughs> Mardu choked and sputtered in response. 
Aleda shook her head while Withers shot upright, puffing smoke wildly. Gafgarn placed a heavy hand on Withers' spindly shoulder, locking him in place as surely as a steel brace. How? Captain Tedev asked, a hand massaging his temples as he leaned in his chair. It was one building. We had it surrounded. At first, we didn't know, till a librarian told us about catacombs underneath the library. Goes out to both wings, then out under the city. Maybe even beyond the walls, he says. <sighs> no one knew this? The guard looked around the room sheepishly. Well, maybe we forgot. Most of us grew up here. Haven't thought about them since we were kids. Even then, we thought they were just stories. Not really interesting anymore. Captain. Aleda interjected in a curious tone. Why didn't you know of them? I'm not from here, Hunter. A handful of years, and none have ever spoken of tunnels to me. He turned a questioning gaze to Mardu, who replied by jamming a chunk of mutton into his mouth. See? The guard said, his face beaming. Not something we really talk about. Captain Tedev stood and gave the man a hard look. Hold the entrances that we know of. Hold the librarian as well. We need to talk. I'm coming right away. He gave a salute to Mardu. Captain, speak to my first on the way out. You know her. Ask about the catacombs. She will have information for you. Find the murderer. Alive if you can. Now get out of my office, the lot of you. Professor, I may call on you later. As they walked through the hall and down the stairs, Wither asked Gafgarn, Those gauntlets, old boy, unmistakably related to your ill-fated footwear. Unmistakably. I'll bargain for them, should that gluttonous windbag be serious about seeing me later, which he very well should be. Doc, you should really clean your face. What was Mardu's nickname anyway? Captain Tedev stopped at the large doors and leaned into Gafgarn, using the back of his hand to stifle his answer. He's known as... The Bulging Baron. And that's the first half of Chapter 5 of Gafgarn, The Eternally Unfurnished. Next episode will be the second half. The credits for Gafgarn, The Eternally Unfurnished are as follows. Your narrator, the voices of Gafgarn, AJ, Wither, Captain Tedev, Doring, Ebbard, and Baron Mardu are Mike Bethel. Elena is Julia Eve. Ayer and Sully are Rosanna Jimeno, my wife. The soldier that brought up the catacombs was a cameo by yours truly. Music, sound effects, and production are also by myself, Daniel French. Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished is written by my son, Jeremiah French. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. If you have comments or questions or you'd like to submit a story to Chronosphere Fiction, email us at chronosphere-fiction at cox.net, C-O-X. See you next time. Keep your cosmos clean. Do you like thrillers, action, adventure, mystery, crime drama? Well, you're in luck, because here on the Mutual Audio Network, we have Thursday Thrillers. You can subscribe and have a dose of adrenaline-pumping audio every Thursday from your favorite podcast player. Get it here now. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining.
together. <laughs>